Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome back to the future belongs to creators. We've been gone, but we're back again. I'm Barrett Brooks. This is Nathan Barry. This is episode 53. 53 of The Future Belongs to Creators. It's June 12th when we're recording this. For those of you on audio, you're on a week delay because we, I don't know, we punish you. We incentivize you to show up live. <laughs> now that we don't do the show every day, we might want to revisit that delay. It's true. It's true. Oh, man. Um, well, let us begin with our typical, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm green. It has been a busy week. It's been a busy year. We'll go with that. It's been a busy year. Indeed. Um, but yeah, things are good. I'm going to take a long weekend and that's got me excited. Just gearing up for that. Um, I rented an Airbnb in the mountains and uh, we're just going to drive up there. So things have been good. Oh, side note. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the, on the podcast, but I hired a new director of product. We hired a new director of product, but it's, I say I, because it's for my job. And uh, her name is Vanessa and she's been with us for two weeks now and she's just killing it. And so that has me so excited. And uh, I'll actually like do more, apparently I'll do more CEO things, whatever that means. Maybe, maybe in the chat, people can tell me like what it means to be a CEO and then I'll just do whatever they say. But I'm excited to, uh, hire someone so talented and and then to be able to work on, you know, vision and marketing and all the other things going on in the company. Yep. Yep. Love it. What about uh, you? I am, I'm green today. It's been an up and down week. Um, we've, we've been doing a lot of work kind of behind the scenes and um, a lot there. We'll get into that in just a minute, but I'm ending the week on an up note. We are also hiring for a business intelligence manager. It's basically a data analytics role to, head up all of our uh, our data efforts internally. At a, at a company of our size, you end up with just like mountains and mountains of raw data, um, a lot of which can inform much better decisions. So we're looking for someone to come in and lead that and been interviewing for that for the second half of the week. And um, I'm excited about it. So it's really good to see the typical crew, Noah, Sean, Harris, Teddy, Keshna. Good to see y'all. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Before we jump right into Q&A Friday, Want to start with uh, something else, right? Yeah. So well, I think I'll get to ask the first question and I'm going to put you on the spot because you and I have been talking about this a lot and you have, I think, a solid answer for it. But, um, you know, as we look at what's going on in the world and and the change around um, like this this wave and this push for social justice and equal rights and, and uh, you know, really justice from the police community towards the black community and everything. All right, we're seeing this huge wave and everyone is pulled back on social media. Like all the businesses are putting out their statements of solidarity or they're not uh, as some businesses are. And then everyone is like, okay, we're supporting. And I think they're all quietly asking like, when, when can we go back to business as usual? Like our Edgar buffer feeds or whatever, or pause, like, can we start again? Can we run our podcasts again? Can we, is that taking away from this movement? We don't want to we don't want to go back to life as normal, right? We're not trying to say that um, we, we want this, the protests of this wave to die out or anything like that. But I think everyone's wondering when can we, what should we do? 
And uh, I'd love to just hear your take on that, right? We're back with the mm-hmm. podcast. And so we obviously have a perspective on it. And I'd love to hear uh, your answer for that. Cause I think so many creators listening want to know the same thing for themselves. Yeah. This was a question that came up on a, um, a town hall you were on uh, recently hosted by Rachel Rogers, um, who I'll highlight more at the end of the episode. But um, it, the answer is there's no right answer. We took two weeks off from the podcast. I mean, y'all heard on the last episode we recorded, I think we were both deeply affected even just a couple days into all of the protests and any, and everything. And we, we don't even have to personally experience racism. Like we have all of the privilege in the world and it felt right. What felt right to me and to us was to stop everything to listen and like really take some time to reflect on what role have we played in all of this negative and positive positive. And what role should we play? We have this massive platform now. We have over 100,000 people using the application on a regular basis. We have hundreds of thousands of people on our email list, many, many more than that coming to our website every every month. You know, you and I have personal audiences. So we've got leverage. You know, we've got places to use our voice and we have privilege, which means we have the opportunity to speak up for or in support of all of the people that are leading the movement, Mm -hmm. you know, not in place of, but in support of. So for us, I think it was just really important to take that time and take inventory. Where are we as a company and where can we get better? Where can we do more? And how can we be uh, committed to creating the change we believe in, which is racial justice, human rights for everyone, uh, basic needs being met for as many people around the world as possible, and civil rights being truly present for every person in the country. And that led us to some great conversations, just like really powerful conversations internally um, at the leadership level between you and I, between us and our customers, between us and the team. And I think it allowed us to, to take appropriate stock of where we are today. And where we are is we've gotten, we've become a much more diverse organization over the past, especially two years, I'd say. We're not representative of the country and the working population of the country, yet we want to be and we intend to be over time. We have a monthly giving program that we've had in place for over two years, right at two years now, supporting basic needs of people around the world for clean water, um, homes, and healthcare. We decided we could do more there in support of access to opportunity in the technology industry, and then also in terms of supporting the end to police violence. And then we sent out a very strong message that just was unequivocal and where we stand on uh, support of the black community uh, that went out this Monday. And so a lot of the work this week was responding and, um, and amplifying, responding to customers, responding to us, and then also amplifying just the voices of important creators doing this work and on the front lines. You know, after we got through those responses and now we've got systems in place, we're donating monthly going forward to a couple of organizations, Code 2040 and then Campaign Zero. Those are our commitments for now. We're going to build stronger partnerships there and make sure that we are directly aligned with the work that's going on in those organizations. We are continuing to build a more diverse team internally. We are very much encouraging and paying for the team to educate themselves on these issues and to implement um, change in their own lives and at the company. And so I think the question was not, what are we doing? Right. The question is, why are we back? That has to be in the context of what are we doing? Because 
the tendency for everyone is to want to get back to business as usual, right? Or that's a tendency that you might have. And I think what was important for us was to make sure that we have systems Mm -hmm. that will counter these systems that have created racism in America and beyond, um, at least in our sphere of influence, because at the end of like, we can't reach people that aren't in our sphere of influence, but we can do everything we can for the sphere that we do have influence over. And I have confidence that we have systems in place. We have confidence that we have systems in place. And so now what feels to be true to me is that the best way for us to make as much impact as possible is to grow our influence, to try and be examples of how to run a company well, how to support the communities that we serve every day in the form of creators, um, and how to give money, time, resources, and expertise to the people who need it so that they can grow their impact too. Um, You know, we talked to the team about, yes, we have over 100,000 creators on the platform, but they have access to, I mean, we sent over a billion emails last month. Right. That's a lot of email, you know, that's a lot of impact that we can have. And if we can influence the way that creators are approaching their audiences too, that's a huge privilege. Similarly, internally, the only way we end up hiring more people, which allows us to become a more diverse organization is to grow the company. And so I think my view is, Now that we've got our systems in place, the best thing we can do to create more impact is continue to work on the core mission and growing the company so that the systems are able to create more leverage over time. Yeah, that's really solid. So that's my, that's my take on it. Well, I think, I think there's this phrase, right? Business as usual. Everyone's like, you know, they're probably not saying it, but they might be thinking, when can I get back to business as usual? And it's like, well, is business as usual for how you've been doing business or how you plan to do business going forward, even a good thing that you should get back to. Mm -hmm. And if it's yes, if it's in support of these communities, if it's in support of these human rights issues and, and you have these systems and processes and that's the impact you're having in the world, then like by all means get back to business as usual. Cause that's if that's what that means um, for your organization. And if that's not what that means, then like make that become true and then work those systems going forward. So Yeah. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, it's never done. Part of the system is like you and I continuing to educate ourselves. It's the team continuing to educate ourselves and understanding what role we can play. One of the the tweets I saw today was um, something I'm going to misquote it, but something along the lines of when white people start to view racism as a white problem is when we will begin to see real movement on this. And, uh, And that really resonated with me because it is a problem that white people have. Uh, in America, at least, that's the, the where the problem exists the most, and um, and so that's our work to do on an ongoing basis in our own lives as individuals. And I think that's something that very much translates. You know, maybe you don't have a team, maybe you're not going to grow a big company. In fact, many of you probably won't. But you, as an individual, you are the company, and so your own work on your identity, your relationship to these issues, is is where a lot of that can productive stuff can happen. Yeah, that's good. Well, as it comes to questions. Anything that people want to ask that affects the creator community, you as a creator, your journey, any of that, like all of this is fair game. And so feel free to ask more questions about current events, um, you know, how to navigate this, what you should do, or also feel free to ask questions that are just about, Hey, this is totally unrelated. This is a problem that's right in front of me and I'd love some help with it. So, uh, we'll dive into that. I'm going to take a super easy question uh, that Sean uh, threw in the chat since he's live. And that is uh, what programming language is Convert your program in PHP, Python, or something else? Um, we are uh, programming Ruby on Rails. That's what we, the, 
started with back in 2013. And then over time, we added more like front-end frameworks for anyone who's a developer. Um, we added uh, first Angular and then later made the switch to React. And so um, React is something that uh, Facebook built and launched. It's a great framework. And now that's what powers a lot of the really great experiences like uh, things like our, our editors and our landing pages where there's a lot more stuff that has to happen in the front end. So now we have a, a bunch of engineers that work on everything from Rails and React and everything in between. Love it. Um, another question Noah asked was, uh, as a teacher, I worry about the Facebook algorithm. Shocking and or false content is engaging and Facebook doesn't want to police it, which I sort of get. Do similar questions arise at ConvertKit? What ethical consideration should go into the design of online communication channels? Great question. I mean, this is very, very deep uh, topic. And um, I think there's, there's one thing that is really important in this conversation, which is uh, the difference between being a platform and being a publisher. Mm. So a publisher... Let me think of how to best describe this. A publisher like Medium has made themselves a publisher, for example. They are curating the content and then actively promoting it in exchange for money, right? Or in some cases, it would just be in exchange for audience. They're um, like a step removed from, or they're trying to be more like the New York Times or something like that, where yes, they didn't exactly. write the article, but the guest opinion contributor did. Yep. So that's one way of operating. The other is to be a platform and a platform is underlying technology that other people use to publish or to exercise their right to free speech, right? Um, in some cases, in other cases, it could just be like they use it to sell something or they use it to manage projects or whatever. So we are a platform. We are not a publisher. We do not, I mean, we, the company is a publisher. It's for its own brand, yeah. right? We, we publish content like this. We publish our blog. And in that case, we have a very specific responsibility and that's to you as creators. And you are the ones who we are accountable to and who we owe a very intentional approach to. The service ConvertKit is a platform that other people use to send messages to their audiences that they have built on their own uh, publishing sites, right? And so one thing that we've always been very clear on is you are the owner of your audience. We do not own your audience. We don't have access to your audience. We will never message those people because they're not ours. They're not our people. They are your people. We just give you a place to, to interact with them, right? So that's one of the first really important things. I think one of the things Facebook's gotten really caught up in is they're not really sure what they are. They're kind of both. Right. They're like a platform. And then they're also, when they got into the whole news situation with the algorithm, now they're kind of a publisher too, because they are influencing what gets uh, attention. YouTube has a similar problem where yes, they're a platform and they're influencing what is paid attention to. Right. Cause they're elevating certain pieces of content. Right. So what we're uh, thinking a lot about right now is what is our role? We've always had a very strong term terms of use policy that includes um, protections against hate speech um, and other, you know, inciting violence, uh, any kind of racist, specifically racist um, uh, material that would encourage violence against a group of people. There's a whole like contractual thing there. So now what we need to really get specific about internally and make sure that we have a clear view on before we get into individual situations is what 
will we continue to define as hate speech? What are specific examples that fall within those terms of use that we will not allow? And so one model or the model probably that we're going to look at first is the ACLU. Mm -hmm. The ACLU, I think, in the public is perceived as a very liberal or left-leaning organization. What's very interesting and most fascinating to me about them as a role model for us is that they protect free speech for anyone. Mm -hmm. If they believe that your free speech rights are being violated, they will go to work for you. And that includes if they strongly disagree with your political stance. I actually pulled up a few of these examples um, from some research that our team had been doing earlier. And for example, um, they've got the right-wing provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos. They <laughs> don't agree with him in any way, but they went to court and defended his right to advertise his book in the New York subway. Um, you know, for example, they've defended the NRA. They've defended who else? I'm looking at the, looking through this list. You know, like white nationalist marches, some things that you know for sure that they don't support, and they've said, "Look, we have a right, or we have a responsibility to defend their right for these protests." And that doesn't make the issue simple by any means. But in this case, it's it's us trying to figure out when when is it that we need, you know, something is is hate speech or is inciting violence, and we need to put an end to that. And when is it that? As a platform, not a publisher, as a platform, we need to stand up for somebody's right to build their audience and and uh, um, have free speech. Yeah, and and so that's not that's not saying anything in specific, other than that's where we're at in the process yeah. is studying examples of organizations that have managed to maintain a principle even when they disagree with the substance of what's being communicated. So that's kind of our approach right now is trying to make sure we know what approach we're going to take when we find ourselves in those situations. And then I think if we were to ever get into a situation where we were promoting people's newsletters or we were like creating a gallery of creators or something like that, or a search function to find creators to follow, uh, which is not currently in the plans, but it's certainly something we've explored before. I think we would need to have a different approach to that. Because at that point, now you're in the business where you could be amplifying harmful messages uh, that we don't agree with. And, and I, there's just a lot of moral considerations in all of that. Um, and that would be a very important thing that we would need to explore for ourselves in terms of where we'd go there. So yeah. it's a big topic. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keshna asked two questions. Uh, we'll take them back to back. Uh, the first one is in episode 13, you talked about the steps and process of promoting your work. You also mentioned do a publish an article or blog to follow up. Did we ever publish that? I don't think that we did. I think we did another episode on it, but I can't remember if we, (laughs) a lot's happened in the world since then. I'm not, I'm not sure where we've ended up. So we'll probably do a more detailed episode on that. Probably need to write it. Um, So we'll, we'll get back to you on that. The next question is, has ConvertKit been negatively affected or positively affected by taking on the stance to support the black community? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, both. Okay. Different things here. I would say overall, so we haven't, in our careers, we haven't managed that many, like, uh, like gotten in the middle of too many, like giant social media fights or something like that. So we don't have a, a crazy amount of experience from it, but I would say overall, the reaction has been far more positive than I expected. I did a project uh, to, I bought some billboards around, around Boise and around Idaho, because I believe that black lives matter is a message that we needed to get out 
not just in the big cities where the protests were happening, but um, also in places like Boise and rural Idaho, where it might be a more, more shocking message. And I put up those billboards and then friends who uh, are here in the media were like, Hey, come on our radio show. Let's do a news story about it. And that kind of thing. And once that came out, I didn't get death threats, but I got like, should I be reading between the lines on this? What, you know, I definitely got the hate mail. I don't know, maybe 50 or a hundred messages on the various social platforms. Um, But overall that, that was fine. I was just like, Oh wow. Okay. This is what real activists deal with like a tiny taste of it on a, on a large scale. And then Barry, you handled all the responses to the email that went out. Um, You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. I think we got, um, I think I participated in something like 120 conversations in response to that email uh, directly, you know, like direct replies, basically. I don't know what the breakdown was. Maybe it was 60, 40 positive, negative. Um, What was most important to me was that was the number of responses that started with something like, I am a black man. I am a black creator. I am a black woman. Mm -hmm. It was like people felt safe, number one, to identify themselves. And then number two, followed up with, wow, this is one of the most direct and human responses to the current environment in this country that I have seen from a company. And like, we weren't by any means the first people to speak up there. No, there was not. Um, But we like, we didn't pull any punches either. We just said what we think to be true. And it was authored by our VP of customer experience, Corey Taylor. He's a black man. This issue is obviously personal for him because he's experienced, he's got personal experience with racism and all of the other things that are involved in this movement throughout his life. And I think because of that, it had an authenticity. That's why representation matters Mm -hmm. within companies. And I think it resonated uh, with the community it was meant to support, which is the black community in particular, you know, to not mince words there. And so for that, it was like, okay, great. We did our jobs on the flip side. You know, there were some angry people. We got, you know, your typical kind of you're an email company. Don't come in my inbox with this stuff. Ooh, let's talk about Not that. In those actually, words, because um, I was on this, on this town hall the other day with Rachel Rogers and, and it was amazing. There's like 4,000 people that tuned in live. And I was thinking about what I wanted to say. And so, you know, you and I were talking about this beforehand and, and prepping for it. And a point that you made in a bunch of emails and then that I used on the town hall is every, every responding and saying like, Oh, come on, you're an email company. Don't like stop being political. Like can't, you know, all this stuff, which came back and said, it's not politics, it's human rights. And we, we don't have any intention of getting involved in politics, you know, but we have every intention of standing up for the human rights of creators, you know, in our, in our country and around the world. And if you have a problem with that, then this isn't the platform for you. Yeah. And, and I view it as like, there's a difference between policy and an issue-based policy and, um, and politics. Like, we, we are apolitical in terms of party and all of that kind of stuff. We're never going to endorse a party as a company, but we are very specific in what we believe and, and certainly human rights and the provision of basic needs for current or future creators is one of them. Those are things that we strongly believe in. We're not going to shy away from that. We have a massive platform that we built like, okay, fine. If you don't want to do business with us based on that, I joked, I didn't actually respond this way, but I joked that I was, uh, I live in Portland. I'm a Portland Trailblazers basketball fan. And last year in the uh, in the playoffs, we beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in 
incredible fashion. Um, and Damian Lillard, our point guard, just mean mugs and waves at them off the court. And I joked that I was just going to send that gift to <laughs> everyone who responded with, I don't want to do business with you anymore. But it raises an important point, which, yeah, we lost business without a doubt. And you know what? Looking at my clock, looking at the numbers, we're going to be just fine. Um, it wasn't so much business that we need to worry about it. And um, honestly, if there are people who espouse racist beliefs on the worst side of it, or don't believe that Black Lives Matter is a statement that a company should make, then I think it might be better for them to do business elsewhere. And that was just kind of what how we responded there. Yep. Love it. All right. Next question is from Harris. And he asks, how do you manage a new idea as a project? How do you balance continuous pivots, big or small, with keeping and delivering your project plan? I'd actually had an example that came to mind um, just from this last week. It's a project that I can't talk about yet, but in a few weeks, I can talk about a month I can talk about. I'm recording the demo video or like the promo video for it today. So I actually put on a shirt that has a collar. Um, <laughs> but I know you're you're like not casual QA Friday. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking that like beforehand, I was like, okay, I gotta put my headphones on, but it's gonna mess up my hair. And then after this, I've recorded video and will my messed up hair be in the video. Um that is off topic. <laughs> uh, but in our signature style, it's off topic. So we had this project, big project that we're working on. It's on a tight deadline. We're working to get it finished. And we realized, you know, about two weeks into the, this phase of development, like, oh, shoot, part of our user flow isn't the way that it should be. We can do this a lot better. And that was, that would be a small pivot. But instead of being like, you know what, look, we'll push through, we'll build it this way, and then we'll revisit it later. We had to say like, no, no, no we have a better idea now of what the like best end result looks like. And we got to just, we got to just pivot and work that in. So I think the thing is, is try to differentiate between shiny object syndrome of like, Oh, now I'm on to this next thing versus when that pivot is okay. This is a tweak or a pivot in service of the same goal. Did you point like go off in a new direction? Now you're chasing a different goal. Cause think hard about that one. But if it's a pivot to say, no, this is how I can serve the same goal better, more efficiently, whatever, then um, it's a great move to make. Anything you'd add? I don't think I have too much to add there. You know, projects are complicated. I don't think I'm a magician in terms of project management by any means. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like, sometimes my project management ap approach is uh, Adam Grant. Maybe this is useful, actually. Adam Grant has this concept of why procrastination is sometimes the most productive thing you can do at a moment in time. Now there are limits, of course. So don't go say like, ah, oh, see, Barrett, give me permission <laughs> not to do anything today. But um, when you have a new idea, execution, meaning like the execution of a plan to implement it is often not clear yet. Mm -hmm. You're not sure what the actual idea means in terms of projects. And in that period between when the idea first comes up and when the project starts, there's this period of kind of like dormancy or apparent dormancy of the idea where it's in your head, but it's not being actively worked on. And that's actually really important time to be able to kind of noodle on where did the idea come from and what is influencing it for you? Why was it interesting? And your brain does cycles on it, even when it's not like, I must be working on this right now, or even if you feel pressure that you must be working on it right now. And then that period sometimes there's like a, a new breakthrough that you have or a clarity that you arrive at through that kind of productive procrastination process, which might include things like journaling or just taking notes on the idea. 
um, there's a breakthrough where you say, okay, now I have clarity, I'm going to move forward. And oftentimes from that point forward, you'll have way more productivity on the idea than you would have if you had tried to start the moment you had it. So I tend to work in spurts like that. I like, I amaze myself at the amount of work I can sometimes get done in a short period of time. Um, an example of this would be, uh, let me see if I can grab the link real quick. I think it's convertkit.com slash reports slash blogging. Yes. There you go. Four years ago now, or three and a half years ago, something like that, we did this report. And I'm actually pretty proud of the fact that it ended up on like just below the first page of Google results for the term blogging, which is really hard at this point in the internet's history. Um, In fact, if we had continued this, I think we could be in the top few results, actually, if we had continued doing this report which is a note to self. Anyways, this report was an idea that we had to kind of tell the story of what it means to earn a living as a blogger. And it became one of the most in-depth things we've ever put together. And between the survey going out and when I wrote this, there was some time. And it, it was like very stressful because I knew it was going to be a big project and I was noodling on the right way to put it all together. And then finally it was like, okay, I know what I need to do. And for, I don't know, two or three weeks, I worked way too much but it was done, you know? Yep. And so in this much time, I wrote like a, I don't know, tens of thousands of word report. And I think that procrastination period, although it did create some stress and trying to hit the deadline, it helped me form the right ideas for actually moving forward with it. So anyways, you can look that up. Adam Grant, productive, <clears throat> productive procrastination may be insightful for you, may not be. Take it or leave it. Sounds good. All right. I think that's a, a good round of questions for today. Should we should we dive into uh, the next segment of the show? And I'll just probably keep talking until I get some transition music. If there's a way, like if I had a, a co-host who could maybe... You might. Oh, man. I Wow. He's just going to be there. <laughs> Creator of the day. Oh man, did I miss that? All right, my creator of the day is an incredible artist named Amira Rahim. Um, she's been a ConvertKit customer for years. I don't know, three years, four years now, a long time. And uh, she teaches all kinds of things. She's got um, a great store on Shopify where you can you can buy her art, um, as well as she's got classes on painting and everything else. So, um, check her out. She's an amazing creator. I love following her on Instagram because it's just like the splash of color and joy, uh, in my feed for all of her art and everything that she creates. And then it's really fun to see her bring like so many of these online business concepts into this world of, um, you know, of painting and art and earning a living from your art. So I'll drop the link to her, but amirahim.com. Love it. Uh, I'm going to highlight a couple of different people today because it's my show and I can. These three women all helped us do some important work over the past couple of weeks and they have remarkable businesses. The first one is Nicole Walters. Nicole just announced actually that she has a new TV show coming, um, which is really exciting. And, uh, I mean, she's just got a variety of things. I like to call Nicole the next Oprah. And I think I might've highlighted her before, but I just want to highlight her again. She, along with these two other women that I'm going to highlight, um, were really generous with their time, uh, did a bunch of emotional labor to make sure that we were communicating in the way that we intended to, uh, especially with the black community over these last couple of weeks, we compensated them for their time. That's really important to us. 
Um, so Nicole, first of all, you should absolutely look up her work. Uh, she is a great resource for creators building businesses. Um, actually, all three of these people are. Rachel Rogers, another one. Man, Rachel, Rachel has always been a, a powerhouse in terms of just empowering other people to believe that they are capable of more than they are currently doing, especially in their businesses. She encourages independent entrepreneurs and creators to think in terms of how to build a million dollar business, not just like a sustainable income. But she has been doing some remarkable advocacy and activism work over the past few weeks. And uh, I'm really proud to call her one of our customers and one of our friends. And then Chris's website isn't coming up, which is a real bummer, but um, the blacktechie.com is normally her website. I'll reach out to her and make sure she knows that that's happening. But uh, she's another one. She's a ConvertKit expert. Um, if you need help setting up your ConvertKit account and you want to pay someone to do it, she might be someone that uh, you could reach out to and she'd be able to get you get you some help there. So three creators of the day today. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm just pulling up her stuff. You can also find her. I'll drop this in the chat, but at convertkit.com slash certified-experts. And you'll be able to find... Uh, Find Chris on that list and and her social feeds and all of that will be there. Um, my resource of the day, Barrett, you kind of touched on. Well, actually, first, Nicole, both Nicole and Rachel have talks at Craft and Commerce that you can find on our YouTube channel, which conveniently, if you're wa- watching the live stream, you are on our YouTube channel. So you can go back and find both of their talks on stage. They uh, both just deliver a, an incredible amount of value. Uh, but my resource today is this town hall that Rachel put together and was... Uh, I was honored to be um, a panelist on, and it was, it's a town hall on reimagining small business and specifically how to listen, learn, and commit to building equitable and anti-racist organizations. Um, This happened on Wednesday this last week, um, but the replay is right here. It starts with this incredible spoken word performance um, from Sonia, who is just an amazing creator. And uh, uh, it's emceed by Robert, who uh, is this Broadway actor and a great creator himself. And the whole crew is just fantastic. I was honored to be a part of it. And if you're learning how to navigate these times and how to, you know, what changes to make in your business, how to show up on social media, all of this, like watch this. It's two hours long, um, but it is totally worth your time. And that's at hello7.co slash town hall. Yep. Um, I I would just reemphasize that this week. I, I think the most important thing anyone can be doing a creator or otherwise is just getting more educated about the history of our country, the history of racism, how that shows up in our day-to-day lives, how that shows up in our businesses, how it shows up in our economic system. There's so much learning to do. And I think the more educated we can all be, the more we can have productive debates about how to create positive change. So for me, my resource of the day would be go Google anti-racism, go Google uh, white privilege, go Google any term that's relevant to the current times and just find books, articles, ideally things from reputable sources, obviously, uh, that will help you get more educated and understand what role you can play. I think that's the work right now. That sounds good. I think that's also a great thought of the day to end on. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. We're excited to be back. We'll be here on Monday, same time, same place, and uh, have a great weekend. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. 
That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,